Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. People sort of just want to do something that's safe, yeah. you know? I mean, that's totally fine. You can do something that's safe. I'm not against that and you will have an existence and mm-hmm. that's fine. But I just feel that when you are safe, you never really find your true glory. But to all those people, I honestly just want to say that like, you owe it to yourself to be fearless. <laughs> honestly, you do. Because it's just, it's so much fun. It's like a new challenge, new opportunity. You learn something new. I mean, you can think like that as well. It's, it's amazing. When we grow up, we always think like, you have to have one passion. But looking at your journey, you've had several different passions. So obviously you worked at JP Morgan as an intern. Then you moved to Dubai and worked at McKinsey, which is incredible. I did a workshop there and I was just like blown away at the people who work there because they're just on a different level. And then you started your journey in terms of being an actor. Talk to me about that transition. Do you know what they teach me in the business school? They teach me marketing 101, knowing your audience. That's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. That's what we're doing right now. People around me are like, can you stop planning? This was the only thing that I did, which was completely unplanned and very spontaneous. And it was wonderful. Amen. Hi. Welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you. Very happy for you to be here, especially because you're only in London for a few months. But it's a it's funny how actually we got in touch because I when I met you today, I was so shocked at all the things you're doing and you're only 25. And I know you got offended thinking that I thought you were a lot older, but seriously, it's amazing to see what you've achieved um, at such a young age. So for people who don't know who you are, can you just give a little bit of background? Sure. Um, Firstly, I don't think I've achieved a lot yet, (laughs) but thank you so much. That was very kind. Um, I'm an actress Mm -hmm. at the moment and I was an investment banker. I was a consultant before. Um, You never know, I might switch back to that. (laughs) Uh, I like to think of me as like, I don't know, like fluid in that sense where, you know, I can be whatever I want whenever I want. Mm -hmm. I don't like to sort of just be defined as an actor or as a consultant or I like to think of myself as more of an entrepreneur yeah and sort of just move around do whatever makes me happy so I think a lot of us like to it's difficult when people ask you that question right especially when you're doing so many different things and you kind of don't want to feel like you're showing off as well by being like I'm doing this I'm doing this exactly when people ask me I just I'm always like I'm a podcast host and I don't really know how to describe all the different elements as well because like you I also was a consultant and I hope I never have to go back, but I, I may really? have to go back. Yeah, no, definitely not. I definitely <laughs> hope I don't, but I may have to at one point in my life, right? So it's difficult to kind of define yourself as one person. And I think a lot of us growing up believe that you are going to be just one person. But in fact, we can be multifaceted. Of course, absolutely. And I think that's a very important thing that you just touched upon. I feel like you, um, at, at least in India, Pakistan, a lot of the, and you would agree with me, like people sort of just want to uh, do something that's safe, yeah. you know? I mean, that's totally fine. You can do something that's safe. I'm not against that. And you will have an existence and mm-hmm. that's fine. But I just feel that when you are safe, you never really find your true glory. Mm-hmm. And that's just something I really strongly believe in. I feel like you need to take risks in life. And if that means you evolve every few years, then why not? Like, you know, you sure. get one life. Why do you just want to be one person? You know, you want to be different people. You want to be the best version of yourself. And if you haven't tried something, you don't know if you're going to enjoy it more than what you're doing right now. I love. So that. you really need to let your dreams fly and just like 
be fearless you know if you feel like like for we were chatting before we sort of sat down here and you told me that you quit your full-time job to mm-hmm. do this honestly when i speak to you i think you're made for this i think oh. you're brilliant so i'm kudos to you i'm glad you did that so that sweet. step is for a lot of people it's like just do it it's hard it is it's not easy you really need to think it through some people have a lot of responsibilities and you have a lot of like um pressure some yeah. people take pressure but to all those people i honestly just want to say that like you owe it to yourself to be fearless <laughs> honestly you do because it's just it's so much fun it's like a new challenge new opportunity you learn something new i mean you can think like that as well it's it's oh amazing God. I love that. I feel like that just needs to be the whole podcast segment in itself. But talking about playing it safe, you and I, when we're talking about playing it safe, we're talking about get an education, get a job, stay in that field, right? So you studied at Wharton. Yeah, I did. Which is crazy because Elon Musk, I mean, I don't like Donald Trump, but Donald Trump studied there. Anil Ambani, John Scully, all of these incredible, successful people in their own right have studied there. And it's it's probably not an easy place to get to. So tell me a bit more about Wharton because I'm sure a lot of people listening and watching this are probably like, oh my God, I'm fascinated. Tell me about it. Uh, it's, tell uh, me the process of getting in actually. So, I mean, it's uh, pretty standard. You just have to like ace all the exams. <laughs> 10 out of 10, you, you 100%. Really, <laughs> so, yeah, like you really need to ace everything. And I mean, apart from that, uh, America in general is very holistic, the application process. Okay. So um, you really need to sort of invest in some other activities as well and be good at something. Mm-hmm. So they like to not just take uh, really smart people in terms of academic smart, that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, they want holistic people as well. So like something that, you know, you should have explored some passion, you should mm-hmm. be, you should show some like purpose that you're kind of heading in that direction. And I feel like that's important and that's something that the US does more than the UK, by the way, because yes. I apply to both places. UK is more academic focused like if I get my A's I can get into any place here in the UK mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit more different and then you have to take the SATs as well you have to ace those as well God. there's yeah you just basically so you were I full on A star student oh yeah in school <laughs> Hated people it's like quite you. Quite a nerd. Literally, is so jealous. Actually, no, I hate it. I hate to get out of jealousy because I wasn't an A star, straight A star student at all. Um, I mean, I'll tell you something. Like uh, when people ask me, you know, like, are you an actor? Are you a consultant? Uh, are you, you know, you were a good student? I'll tell you something very honestly. Like, I feel like I like to think of myself as I'm an achiever. If I'm being completely honest, and you can put me to anything right like you can Mm -hmm. say you know what I need you to become the best badminton player and I promise you I will take my time but I think I can do it wow and and I think that applies to anything that I put my mind to and that's not coming from a place of pride or I'm not trying to say that I'm so smart or anything I just feel like I have that and this is something my parents has given have given me that you know you can achieve whatever you put your mind to so I like to think of myself as an achiever and if you give me a task I'm going to learn I'm going to work really hard till I get really good at it mm-hmm. to the point that I could be better than most people you know I so that. I feel like that is key so getting into Wharton like I always wanted to get into Wharton so I kind of like worked hard for it Got the it. same way like I always wanted to sort of um you know get into consulting and I wanted to go to McKinsey that was my sort of dream because I wanted to work in the public sector at a very young age which you mm-hmm. can't really do uh right after college you can't right. do that through McKinsey you can sort of work with different ministries and I really liked public service and sort of being in that space so I knew this was the only way to do it at that age mm-hmm. so I kind of like worked hard for it and got it so I feel like it's important that you put your mind to something and then you just like work hard there's no way that you're not gonna get it I love that I think so So you grew up in Pakistan you then studied at Wharton Mm -hmm. after that tell me what you did I studied at Wharton and then I was living living away from home sorry I presume right yeah yeah I was um living in the U.S. and then I moved to um Manhattan and I was working as an investment banker JP Morgan mm-hmm. um, and then I moved to Dubai and that's when I started working for McKinsey Wow! and um, like I said I was working on a lot of public sector projects there which is what I wanted to do and that's kind of why I made the switch because uh, I wanted to sort of be involved in that space um, being so change happen on that level mm-hmm. being so ambitious as a young girl from Pakistan did you face any stereotypes because I think that there so much has changed, by the way, in terms of gender roles and what we expect from women and what we expect from men. And I think both children, you have a brother, you know, 
I have a brother too. And both my brother and I were, were taught that we both have to be clever and we both mm -hmm. have to stand on our own two feet and we both have to be independent. I was never taught as a girl to rely on a man and I think that's why I am so independent. And my brother was always taught that he has to be really independent too. For you, I don't know if the culture was different in Pakistan, but judging by your journey, I don't think it really was, right? Oh no, actually my parents didn't want me to work at all. <laughs> at all. What? So my, yeah, they didn't even want me to go to the US. My dad, especially, he was, so we're more familiar with the UK. He okay. used to play cricket um, uh, for Pakistan. And so he was more familiar with the UK as well because he used to play, play county cricket here. Wow. So uh, he was more comfortable with me coming here. So when I got into colleges here and good colleges here, he was like, uh, just go to the UK. Yeah. You know, it's a shorter flight. You're closer. Yeah. So I prefer that. And I was like, no like uh, I want to go to Wharton I, I got in I didn't think I would so that's the right place for me and uh, but, but one thing I would tell you that my parents always had their own sort of idea mm -hmm. of what um, they never put pressure on me to uh, do this or to do that or to be this or to be that but I, I will tell you this my without my parents unconditional support and constant support there's no way I could achieve anything mm -hmm. so they would always tell me that this is what they liked or this is what they didn't like or they would prefer that I do this but at the end of the day the decision was always mine and they always trusted my decision and they always supported my decision so when I told him I want to go to the US I went to the US he said fine if that's what you want to do wow. then when I decided to work because in my family like a lot of people would just come back do family business or sort mm -hmm. of um very few people sort of worked abroad yeah. and lived abroad. So um, my dad was of the impression that you're going to study. And as soon as you're done studying, you're going to come back. Yeah. And then I told him, listen, like, I want to work. Uh, I actually started interning. So my dad's like, why aren't you coming back for the uh, <laughs> summer break? And I'm like, dad, like, I have an internship at JP Morgan. So he's like, well, why are you doing that? Yeah. Like it's uh, and and my mom and and so basically I would tell my mom the hours are really bad. So my dad would be like, "Your mom says the hours are so bad. Like, why the hell do you need to do this? Yeah. And like, why are you up till like five in the morning? And what is going on? Like, just come back and relax." My dad's very like, you know, just take it easy, just calm down. And I'm like, no, but this is what drives me. I love it. I want to do it, you know. And when they and I feel like when your parents see your drive and when they see that you're actually doing it and you're enjoying it mm -hmm. and you're thriving, then they support you. You know? But it's very difficult for me to understand that, you know, you come off, your dad was an international ten, uh, tennis, international <laughs> cricket star, right? So he played for Pakistan. You grew up in this world where you didn't have to worry about anything. You didn't have to worry about getting a job or, you know, whatever it was. For you to be that driven in order to leave your home at such a young age, move to the US and then move to Dubai when you were how old? 19? It's crazy. For a lot of people, they would say to me, you know, why did you have that drive? What was it that was that was pushing you? If your parents weren't giving you any pressure and you weren't forced to kind of work really, really, really hard and go to all these, the top, basically worked at the top company and then studied at the top university. What was driving you? Honestly, I don't know. I feel like... I've always been intrinsically motivated and it's not um, and I've always wanted to like whatever I do I always want to be really good at it whatever that is so you know? why that's just the way I am and I feel like that again um, I would say it comes from my mother because she always used to say this to me that you know whatever you decide to do don't be average at it be really good at it and this is something she used to say when I was really little but I feel like it's kind of like wow. stayed there mm -hmm. and and I just I'm like you know what why be average if I can really work hard and be better and you know so so why should I that's amazing I think that's so inspiring and I think when we when we grow up we always think like you have to have one passion but looking at your journey you have several different passions so obviously you worked at JP Morgan as an intern then you moved to Dubai and worked at McKinsey, which is incredible. I did a workshop there and I was just like blown away at the people who work there because they're just on a different level. And then you started your journey in terms of being an actor. Talk to me about that transition because passion is is something like you're, you're speaking so passionately about business and then you've gone into work for the best company. What made you think, OK, I don't want to do this anymore and I want to try something else? So let me first tell you something, right? Like when you get a business degree from an Ivy League institution or any business school, the kind of skills that you really get are something that you use for anything that you do in life. So okay. when, you know, someone asked me that you got a business degree from Wharton, so why would you do acting? And it's like, okay, do you know what they teach me in the business school? They teach me marketing 101, knowing your audience. That's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. That's what we're doing right now mm -hmm. as we speak. You develop critical communication skills. You do 
finance, accounting, you know, budgeting. Yeah. That's what you need all your life. You basically unlock the inner entrepreneur to leave a mark on the world. That's what a business school teaches you. And that's kind of, these are the core values and these are the core skills that you need for anything that you do in life, right? Yeah. So acting is no different in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I am using the same skills in a different way. But how did that come about? Um, honestly, if I'm being completely honest with you, it was super random, super, super random. And okay. the only thing not planned in my life. So I'm a planner. I'm a Same. crazy <laughs> planner, like to the point that people around me are like, can you stop planning? Okay. But it just comes naturally to me. Like I like being organized. I, I like to plan a lot. This was the only thing that I did, which I, which was completely unplanned and very spontaneous. Okay. And it was wonderful. So this also kind of like taught me that, you know, like you don't, things don't have to like fall in place as you want them to fall in place sometimes. So you can just be like water, you know, you can be like water, be adaptive, be calm, be patient and kind of just go with the flow. Mm. And sometimes the best things happen to you and, you know, you're just like, wait, what just happened? (laughs) So how did it happen? I just got an offer, honestly. uh, And uh, I, I thought about it. I said no to it a couple times because I wasn't ready to make the switch. I wasn't sure. And that's when this whole process of me thinking about it started happening while I had already rejected the offer. And I was like, I don't want to do it. Okay, but if you were working at McKinsey, sorry, excuse me, mm-hmm. if you're working at McKinsey, how did you get an offer for acting? Were you active on Instagram or socials or anything? Oh, no, not at all. Actually, I was visiting Karachi in Pakistan back okay. home, uh, for a cousin's wedding. Okay. And um, one of our family friends is actually uh, the owner of a channel that offered me the the, the, ah, the role okay. and so she was there and um, she saw me and we, we chatted for a bit and, and I told her I was w- working at McKinsey and I was in Dubai and she was like okay but I need you here and I need you to do this and you have to and I was like um, uh, no I don't think that this is a good idea mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure I mean I love her as a person so of course anything that she says yes. uh, I would take it seriously and because she was so kind of she was she was pushing me because she kind of saw something I felt that uh, maybe I didn't see or anyone yes. else didn't see, but she has the eye for it. And she's so experienced in, in the field as well. Her name is Sultana Siddiqui. She's uh, the owner and the founder of uh, Hum TV, okay. uh, the channel. And um, so I kind of like started thinking about it. I said no and I moved back and I started working at McKinsey again. And then I moved back and then again, we sort of talked a little bit. And then I was like, okay, maybe we can do this, maybe we can do that. And we were thinking on, on what should be my debut. Then COVID hit and um, I was like, okay, you know, it doesn't make sense. And then in all that uncertainty, like basically this other show just started and she was like, I want you to do this. It's going to be brilliant. Just trust me. And in that moment, I just thought to myself that, you know what? I do feel like trying something new. It feels like an opportunity. And honestly, yeah. I'm the kind of person who really works on my instincts. Like I just basically, I, I just, it's just the way I am. You know, my brain says something, my, my heart says something, but if my instinct says it, I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna trust it. I'm gonna go for it. So it was just like that. It was spontaneous, and I was like, okay, let's give it a try. And I did. Your gut is the most powerful indicator, and it I is. say it all the time on this it podcast. Is. Energy does not lie. Come and when you meet someone, when you get their vibe, like I've spoken to a lot of people recently, and I'm like, this is this is too good to be true. And there's nothing wrong with them at all. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Something is off, and I'm like, I don't know what it is, and and I can't work with them because I've made that mistake so many times, and it's come to bite me back. And I'm like, I knew I should listen to my gut because unfortunately. I just think, not if you're a bad person, but if your intention is wrong, there is something in terms of your energy that the other person will be able to feel. 100% agree with you. And I think that so many of us ignore that feeling because often where we ignore it because there's often something on top of it that we want even more. So what I mean by that is if I meet someone who wants to come on the podcast and they say, you know, Shwani, I love your podcast, and they've got, I don't know, like they're massive in whatever field they're in there's something that I feel off about them I need to ignore the fact that they're this massive expert if I feel the feeling is wrong because if the conversation doesn't go right it doesn't matter who they are of course it's all about energy and I think that it's so powerful that you said that you acted on that even though your brain was probably thinking like well how am I going to do this I've just studied I'm working at McKinsey I've just studied all this time like what is the reason for it that's incredible so you started acting Mm -hmm. what was your social following at this time 
I mean, I wasn't a public figure, so it wasn't much. It was, I think, 20 to 30,000. Okay. On Instagram. And now you have 1.1 million. Yeah. Tell me about that journey. Honestly, I like I said, I, uh, it was the first um, TV show that I did uh, in, in Pakistan, the one that we we're just talking about. Uh, it became massive. It was a blockbuster and it was my debut. My gosh. And uh, it, it just, uh, yeah, it just blew out of proportion in a very positive way. And uh, it was very, very well received by the audience. And um, my character was very uh, well received. A lot of people related to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I honestly, I feel like, um, yeah, it was, I just got really lucky that my debut itself became a blockbuster. And tell me about your character that people related to and obviously liked a lot. Uh, so it was a character that's just, it's very innocent girl next door, hopeless romantic. Uh, who um, very pure at heart and um, she was very fearless when it comes to love and uh, she kind of just stuck by and um, fought everyone and everything that came in her way uh, because her love was so real and so Mm -hmm. pure. Who doesn't like that story? Of course. But I think women are so much more than that as well. You can be a hopeless romantic and you can also be extremely career-driven. You could also be very maternal. I think that's how I am as a person in real life. But in in acting roles, I generally always see, you know, and I was listening to a podcast before I came here today and there there was someone that was saying, you know, when they're reading their children's books, Mm -hmm. it's always daddy's in a suit, daddy's at work. Mommy's in an apron, mommy's at home. And we we very much have these gender roles and we very much put people into these boxes, even though women are doing way more and men are also doing way more. I think it's very easy to kind of go back to those roles. And when we see women, especially, because I'm going to talk about from my experience before everyone attacks me, when we see women who are doing things that are outside the typical gender roles. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, there's a lot of women in the UK who are the breadwinners Mm -hmm. and yet we still shy away from that. And when we do see that in movies, it's always, well, the man's going to cheat because you're working she's so hard. Avail- yeah, she's not available right. for him. But when it's the other way around... It's- like she should be grateful. Right. Working so hard for the family. So tell me about those roles, especially in in, in dramas that we see in Indian Indian movies and, and in Pakistan, no, Pakistani is, series. Uh, Shivani, you've touched upon something really, really critical. And uh, honestly, this is uh, a problem. Um, in a lot of, um, I guess, South Asian, if I may put it in that sort of category, mm-hmm. uh, you know, women are shown as either um, damsels in distress, you know, just like, oh, bichari, like poor yeah. woman, like, yeah. you know, she's such a damsel in distress mm-hmm. or a conniving puppeteer. Yes. You know, they're just these two um, sort of uh, roles for, for women. And apparently mm-hmm. they are nothing else other than a conniving puppeteer or just like a damsel in distress. But hey, guys. That's not true. That is not true. There's so much more to a real woman's identity. And that is actually like, I feel that the modern day Pakistani women, if I can speak to Pakistani women, are not like that at all. No. They're like me or they're like, I know so many others who are like super driven and they're not damsels in distress and they're nowhere near like, a conniving puppeteer either Mm -hmm. so I feel that that's why by the way like I really uh, choose my script well because I in no way want to sort of encourage these kind of scripts and sort of tell the youth that this is what it is because we really need to get out of this mentality Mm -hmm. and I feel it's a lot better than what it was we definitely are evolving. Yeah. Um, the kind of scripts are getting better, but we still have a long way to go. And people really need to shun these like stereotypical like images mm-hmm. of like women in Pakistan or in India because that's not true. It's not true. It's I agree. True. And did you face any discrimination though as a female actor? Because obviously you're trying to not go for all of these roles that are just displaying women in one ro- one way. But a lot of the time, people don't welcome feedback, do they? A lot of people, a lot of the time, people aren't going to be like, yeah, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Absolutely, they don't. And um, honestly, there's uh, sometimes you have to kind of compromise a little bit as well. Of course. Even, even when you're so firm in like what you believe in, you sometimes have to because there are only so many scripts that are being produced and you can't just be a script writer and an actor and a producer. You can't do all of it at once. I wish I could. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> just so that I have all the control and I'm such a control freak. I would totally love it. Um, but on you can't, right? Like, so you you 
But with that said, when you get fame and when people look up to you, with fame, I feel like comes great responsibility as well. So you have to kind of pick and choose as much as you can so that you give the best possible message and you can work with the script writers. So that's kind of what I do. The last project that I did, there were a couple of things that I didn't agree on. Um, it was called Ibn Hawa. Uh, it was a project that I did uh, with my character and the progression and how it kind of like became... Um, a little bit different and how she turned from like this powerful woman to like someone who actually ended up forgiving this person. But I kind of worked with the script writers and the directors and the channel to sort of turn that around and said that, listen, no, like, mm. I mean, if she forgives, there needs to be like a crazy transformation that the guy goes through for her to see that. And then he needs to like really earn that forgiveness. You know, she's not just going to forgive. And Why? I kind of did that it was still not the best ending that I would want but it was I, I could justify it to my fans and I was happy with it I could sleep at night yeah. so I feel like you can work together to make that happen another thing that you sort of pointed out was you know how um women face a little bit of discrimination or if it's harder for them so honestly not just in this field I feel in any field um if you notice like women have less opportunity, let's be real, you know? Like if there's one spot in banking, because yep. I experienced that, there's one spot in banking for a woman to enter into investment banking, M&A, and there are like 15 of them and one is going to get in. For men, there are more slots. For women, let's say there's just one slot. Mm -hmm. So obviously they're going to like elbow each other and try their way up and sort of cut each other because they know that there are 15 of them. They're not going to support each other, right? Yep. They're going to try to cut each other so that they get to that point or they get to that position the same happens in this field or in acting like you know where women are like trying to get to that spot because there are fewer spots and pinned up against and each other exactly and that's not because women inherently like doing that to each other that's that's how people make it sound but that's not how that is it's because there are fewer opportunities and so and there's so many of them trying so if there's one slot and so many they are going to do that that doesn't mean that they want to do that to each other with guys it's totally different they're celebrated for their romance you know, mm. if there is like a, a, I don't know, a show happening and there's a lot of boys there, they're always going to talk about, oh, my God, was it a lot of fun on set? I, I could see the bromance going. And if there are more than one main lead actors, actresses, females, they'll yeah. be like, oh, so how was that? It must have been hard. You know, like uh, you guys, how did you guys have any fights or was there any fight over makeup and how much time you take? And it's like, really, do you think that's what girls fight about now? <laughs> like... I mean, that's so interesting. I never thought it from that perspective because one of the reasons I think uh, people say, oh, women are overly emotional and they and, and they don't speak up about their feelings is because we're, we're told to be like that. We're told to shut up and we're told to not speak about our feelings and we're told to be, be like, oh, you should be more emotional and you should be more in touch with your feelings. And if a girl, God forbid, isn't emotional, they're like, she's so cold. She's so heartless. She's not maternal is what people love to say, right? Absolutely. But it's interesting because I think that's so true. People will always say like, oh, how was it with her? But with a guy, they'll be like, oh, you guys, how was it? It's just the tone of the conversation will completely change. Yeah. And I think those gender roles and those kind of expectations for women and men are still there. Whilst you were trying to pursue your acting career, mm -hmm. what was going on with McKinsey? Were you still working there? Uh, no, I had taken a break. Okay. And how did they take that? And how, so, did, you, how did you feel doing that, I guess, to be like... Because it's a big risk. Like we start at the start of this conversation, you said to me, you know, to, to quit your job is a big risk. And it was a big risk and it wasn't easy. And I presume that was probably the same questions you were asking yourself. So I'll tell you something. Uh, quitting a job or taking a break from a job uh, or changing a profession, it's all about change. Change is never easy. Of course. But that's the only constant. Change is the only constant in life. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter what you do. The only thing that is actually constant is change. Yeah. So I feel like you have to be comfortable with change, whether it's relationships, whether it's your career, whether it's the way you look, the aging process, anything. You just have to be adaptive and you have to be okay with change. If you're not, then you're just not going to be happy or satisfied with anything in life. Mm -hmm. So it was a difficult process because it was not familiar. I was familiar with McKinsey. I was familiar with that lifestyle by then, obviously. I was used to it. And so it was a risk in that sense. And also if you talk about like the um, finance side of it, like money, of course, because um, with acting or with anything else, you, you make as much as you sort of, you, you can make and you sort of make what 
you can make whatever you want off it yes. you can make way more by the way of or course. way less it totally depends on like how famous you get and how you know the how you sort of brand yourself but with mckinsey it's safe like you like yeah, with any job every month. right like so that's with any job but i feel like that was never a consideration for me so it wasn't risky for me in that sense it was risky for me just because it was a change it was not i wasn't really thinking about money talking about ego because i'm thinking about myself in that situation if i was a a star student if i was um got into water and now working at the top consultancy firm in the world was there ever something that made you question would people judge you for becoming an actor because there's a lot of people a lot of the time with same with this i've always thought are people going to think why am i doing podcasting but because i don't i love it so much i didn't really care about it but there's a lot of people i speak to who have turned into influencers or kind of gone into the music industry and especially in indian culture i'm not sure about pakistani culture it's like you're taking a step away you know it's like a step backwards no, rather than a step forward absolutely so did you were you ever fearful of that So I'll tell you something uh, I have never ever cared about what other people think why ever uh, because my parents are my people and um I feel like no matter what you do you'll never make everyone happy never when I uh, went into Wharton I mean technically this is a great news everybody's so happy there were still people who were like but why are you sending her to the US and why is she living alone there and they're coming to my parents you know in the Pakistani culture they're like yeah. why are you doing that like yeah. Then when I get got into JP Morgan they're like oh my god you know the hours uh, does she work till like 6 in the morning what else happens you know like i mean this is not and there's so many men around and yes. why is she working with so many men and the hours are so bad and she's living alone <laughs> the same happened when i moved to McKinsey i was working in McKinsey then i was living alone in Dubai and they're like oh she's now moved continents and now she's uh, living in Dubai and she's working as a consultant again the hours are so bad she's going to continue working she's never going to get married and she's just cuz she's making so much money on her own she doesn't need a man my point is that and this is for anyone listening like if you do things to make other people happy mhm a you're never going to be happy and i can assure you i promise you everyone is never going to be happy no matter what you do so true so you need to make yourself happy mhm and the people most important to you those people should be happy and on board everybody else is just noise for me everybody else is just noise for me and honestly like i'll tell you a very funny incident because it's really it's related to what you just said So a lot of people did ask like you know oh my god Wharton and McKinsey and now why are you doing acting and those same people now are like you know they call my parents can we please come meet her for a selfie like <laughs> we have like these people over from the US and uh, you know they loved her shows and she's such an inspiration and honestly like they were like so can funny. we please come for 5 minutes and then i told my dad i was like wait isn't isn't this the same family that said why are you like letting her do acting she's working at mckinsey like why is she switching and mm. why are you okay with this mm. and my dad's like yeah he's the same they're the same people i was like yeah no selfie for you <laughs> Like, bye but my point is so on a, on a serious note that my point is that um you should focus on making yourself happy and uh people close to you should be on board whatever you do if you're happy that's what matters you live for yourself you live once you can't you can't make other people happy because they will never be no matter what you do so that should be the focus and um once you're successful no matter what you're doing the selfies will come <laughs> by the same people so i wish i had your like intelligence and emotional intelligence when i was 25 i just can't believe how much wisdom you were even giving in this podcast about how strong you were and how determined you were and how you just don't allow outside no- noise to kind of block you and i think you need to be that person if you want to be in the public eye Absolutely. because i'm sure out of the 1.1 million people that follow you there's going to be 100,000 who don't like you and comment hate and are and are cruel how do you deal with that hate because recently i uploaded some videos and some of them have gone viral and some of them the comments are just absurd and people are like you are doing this and you're this and you know my my all it always comes back to me if someone is criticizing me the only way i can move past it and i really don't care is if i know my intention was pure and if my intention was correct and i haven't explained it in the best way because you know at the end of the day this is not a scripted podcast yes i have some questions on here but i haven't really looked down on them so many times it's just to remind me 
but it isn't a scripted podcast. We have spoken maybe one time on the phone before and I've met you for the first time today, but it isn't a speech. So it's a conversation. And when having conversations with people, sometimes you're going to say the wrong thing. Of course. And sometimes I won't explain everything in such minute detail in which that is going to be explained very clearly for people to understand. So of course, when videos and clips go viral that have been cut up, I'm not explaining it in the best way and I haven't I haven't expanded onto every single point. So some people are going to look at me and think I'm promoting something that's completely different. Like when I did this homeless video, my point was you should give money so that people can spend it on things like they need, like sanitary towels or food. We're going back or to they the can same do point. blanket, right? You can never make everyone happy. You can't. That's what I just said. You of can't. So with your content or with your job or with what you decide to do with your life, yeah. the key is you'll never be able to make everyone happy. There are going to be comments that are going to be hateful. Yeah. Completely taking something positive that you're doing into something totally negative. Mm -hmm. But that's just the way people are. You have to learn to accept. So that their hate doesn't reflect on what you are doing wrong. Right. It's what's going on inside them. But talking about everyday people. Yeah, but talking about everyday people, my point there was, okay, we receive hate online from other mm -hmm. people, but not everyone gets a lot of hate online because maybe they're not in the, the social media world. There are people, though, who have people in their life who spurt little hate bubbles on them, right? You mean real little people? Real, real people who give you like little digs. Right, and we'll say, oh, like for example, how you were saying with the acting, there's this uncle who's telling you, like, oh, how come you're learning not me going to act? Like <laughs> but you know, there's yeah. a lot of people face it from their friends, from their family, friends, from other people. You obviously have that combination of online as well, same as me. You have that combination yeah. of, of things. How do you not allow yourself to be affected by it? Because it's one thing seeing it and ignoring it and not reacting to it, but there's another thing internally feeling it and feeling upset. And how do you deal with that hate? Look, Shivani, like. Honestly speaking, I don't think I get a lot of hate. So I'm really blessed and yeah. I love all my followers and they're really, really nice to me and mm -hmm. they've accepted me in the best possible way. So I, I don't get a lot of hate, mm -hmm. but of course there are always certain comments that you don't like and they're weird and you're like, yeah. it's like <laughs> why would you say that to anyone? Yeah. But I feel like um, that is kind of the, the con of being in the public eye. Yeah. So how I think about it is, I don't know if that'll work for you or work for other people, but how I think about it personally is that when I get so, so much love from people, like that totally overshadows like the 1% hate or the 1% of negativity that I get. Mm -hmm. So I kind of always try to focus on, on all the love and the positivity. So like I think about all, whenever I get like a bad comment, I, I, I always remind myself of all the good comments yes. and of all the love that I'm getting, whether I'm in Dubai, whether I'm here in London, when mm. I'm walking on the streets here, when people are meeting me, when they're giving me so much love. I mean, I'm so grateful for that, yeah. that that kind of small amount of hate doesn't, I will not let that overshadow all I the agree. love that I'm getting. So I agree. that's kind of how you should think. I agree. And I think when I first started, and, and the thing is, is you're not on TikTok, but do not join it because people are bloody savage on there. But anyway, when I first started, people would say a few mean comments. And when you first hear it, you're in a bit of a shock. Yeah. But now, same with you, I'm, people are so nice to me. And I actually don't know why they're so nice to me. I'm always like, I don't know why people are being so kind. But I had a reflection the other day of if this many people are following you and let's say 1% of them are saying horrible things. Sometimes it's not even 1%. It's like zero point whatever. How egotistical for me to think that every single person in the world should agree with what I'm saying. Yeah, it's narcissistic if I was like, yeah. how can people hate me? Mm -hmm. It's okay. You don't have to agree with me and you, you are free to unfollow me. And there's a lot of people who just, I just find this hilarious, who constantly DM me and constantly comment on my post saying hateful things, but they don't follow me. So I'm like, you're taking the time out of your day to search my name, then look at my recent posts and then comment underneath them. Like, are you okay? Like, it's okay. Like, I, I, you're obviously hurting about something. And now when people say mean things, I just respond with, I really hope you're okay. Yeah. And then they're just like in total shock. Like, what the hell? What are you Absolutely. saying? And I think it's really important to also remember that not everyone, like you said, is not going to like you. And we are kind of taught this whole thing that you, to be weirded out when people don't agree with you or when people don't like you. But we all have our own opinions. And this is why I speak so much about confrontation. If you don't say your own opinion and you don't say how you're feeling in a normal, well-mannered way, then you're never going to be able to resolve an issue, right? And I think as women, we are really criticized and it's like almost a shock when people disagree with us or when people confront us. Have you faced that? 
No, actually, I'm really good with disagreement. I I I genuinely don't have a problem when somebody disagrees with me. Mm-hmm. I have a problem if someone is disrespectful. Yes. The disagreement part is not something that weirds me out or no. makes me feel like why are you disagreeing with me. But I just feel in general, we can all agree to disagree. Yeah. That's just the way that life works. You can have disagreements, but it's just the way that you sort of communicate. Communicate. I think that is key. What I meant by that is do you do you feel that some people are shy to confront you or shy to raise how they're feeling? In what way? Like when people meet me or in in when you have disagreements with people because I think a lot do of Do you mean time, like my friends family? Yeah. yeah not n- not so much that like in work. So I talk a lot around confrontation in work and I say that we should be confrontational. But we are taught not to be confrontational. We're taught to not say how we're feeling and to let it shy because, again, how no, I No, not at all. That's not healthy at all. Of course. We but should you... definitely confront each other. Right. Yeah, it's just the way that you do it. But I feel like I'm really good about that. Like, I, I don't like keeping things inside. Yes. If uh, there is something that I'm feeling or if there's an opinion that I strongly believe in, I'm mm. ov- always going to voice it and I'll do it respectfully and hear the other person out. And I'm also very good at sort of like... Reaching middle grounds, I feel, right. and I feel that's important in life. You can disagree, but you can take a little, give a little, and kind of like reach a middle ground. And if there's something completely against your value system or your belief system, then walk out. Yeah, I, I also believe in that, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, like you can't. There are certain things you can't compromise on, and that's totally fine. That's what makes you who you are, and your belief system, your value system, is what makes you who you are. So you have to be true to that. I love that. I think talking around, and this is a question that I never thought I'd ask you on a podcast. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are taught to do all of these things, like have a great career, until you get married. And once you get married, to calm down on these things. Now, your parents from this conversation are probably, I have no idea what they're telling you what to do, because it seems that they're very open in terms of understanding and and watching you grow and seeing you try all of these different things, which I think is rare, by the way, for people to be so supportive around, okay, do this, do that. You are, yeah. And I think that's amazing. But there are a lot of people who have a lot of expectations put on them in terms of marriage. Now, have you ever been asked if you want to get married or if you are going to get married because you are so career driven? Um, honestly, yeah, I do. I, I think it'll be an absolute lie if I say that I don't. Not by my parents, though. My parents are very supportive and they're always on board uh, with my timelines in life, with what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always on the same page. Um, Alhamdulillah, touch with like, that's, it's, that it's a amazing. blessing to have them as my parents. So no pressure from them ever. Um, also, I feel like uh, j- like people who are actually not important in your life, the, those people are the ones who actually ask the most important questions. And it's just like, do you, I don't know if you have ever noticed that, but it's like, who are you to ask yes. me that? Yes. Because it's like a very important decision. And why am I going to talk to you about that? Right. You know, this is like an important thing in my life. And I mean, it's something that I would talk to my best friend about right. or, uh, you know, my parents about or my siblings about. But who are you random auntie sitting in that corner <laughs> at a random wedding and you're like stalking me and you're coming up and asking me this question? It's really weird. But yeah, so keeping that in mind, the unimportant people ask you important questions. So it best doesn't really ever. matter. It doesn't really matter. But um, honestly, like I'm not opposed to marriage at all. I'm not opposed to having kids at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think that... Um, having a successful career uh, can only come at the cost of not having a personal life. I I don't believe in that. Um, I think that if you marry the right person and if you, uh, a marriage is like a partnership in that sense, so you can grow together. And obviously it depends on what's in, in what stage of your life you're making that choice because that really makes a difference as to like some of your career goals. Like sometimes it does slow you down and, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so, like Michelle, I was reading this book, uh, the new book by Michelle Obama, and uh, she was talking about how her career took um, sort of like a there was a pause in her career when she right. was pregnant and having kids, and and I mean both of them kind of studied the same thing. They they, they were the same people mm-hmm. with the same goals, but obviously like her career sort of took like a little bit of a backseat when uh, you know yeah. she was having kids, but they are partners in the true sense yes. if anyone knows anything about their marriage they're definitely partners so I feel like it doesn't matter if like some days I'm doing 20% and the other person is doing 80 and vice versa as long as we're both moving I don't want to stop 
I think that is key. So for me, that is important. I don't, I don't mind making compromises, temporarily moving slower, then mm-hmm. gaining a little bit of pace depending on how the family is. Yeah, I- I'm totally okay with that. Uh, but like I told you earlier in the podcast as well, that I don't want to define myself as a certain person. Like I'm, I'm not just an actor. I'm not just a consultant. I'm not just an artist. I'm not just an entrepreneur. Like I want to just be fluid in that sense. Like, like again, yeah. the 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 metaphor that I used, I think it really applies well here as well. That I'm I'm like water. So whatever I want to be adaptive in my life. Whatever makes me happy, I want to sort of prioritize that and 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 take that form for as long as it requires me to be in that form and then sort of evolve from there. That's also something what my parents have taught me, not to be very rigid yeah. for for I think that's important. I, I don't think I can be happy if I'm super career driven and I've ha- I have a great career, but I, I'm not married. I am ha- not in love. I don't have my kids. Yes. I don't think I can be truly happy and this is not this is not something that I'm saying that other people also this is just applies to me I don't think I can be truly happy if I'm only successful in my career and not in my personal life and I don't have that I feel I need I, I need both I love that it's so crazy because I have never followed Michelle Obama and I've never read her book on the train here one of my friends shared her post and the post was talking about exactly what you just said, that her and Obama, it's marriage is not some kind of fairy tale dream world that you think it is. And one day one of them will give more than the other, but they're always moving at pace. It's so crazy that you just said that. And even what you just said just now in terms of that's your own opinion. And people forget this again on this podcast is the opinions I'm giving are my own. Yeah. And you can be focused on your career and also be saying like, I'm, I'm happy with someone and want to meet someone. Yeah. For some people, they want to get married straight away within six months. Some people, they want to date. Some people, they don't want to get married. Different. Everyone is different. Absolutely. And I think we need to stop pushing this narrative on everyone that you need to have kids in marriage to be happy. That doesn't mean I'm opposed to it. I also want to have kids and get married because I know that will make me feel happy. I'm just giving an alternative perspective yeah. for people no, out and, there who and, are struggling. And there are people who can be absolutely satisfied and absolutely happy with with no marriage and no kids and just a very successful career. There, I'm sure there are people like that as well. But that's I'm saying that I don't think that that's me. Mm. You know, I need both. You're an incredibly positive person. I feel like the energy you have given me today has just been so powerful. Oh, that's such a kind thing. But to you say. must have bad days someday, no? Of course. How do you manage with those bad days? And how do you manage with balancing so much? Because you really, really are doing a lot. And there's a lot of people that are watching and listening to this that will think, well, how do you do it all? Honestly, there's no way that you do all, all the time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You can't. And I, and, and I don't put that pressure on myself anymore. I used to. I used to. Um, I don't do that anymore. Uh, when I need my days off, I take my days off. If that means saying no to a lot of work, saying no to uh, a lot of things, I say no. I, I, I have learned to prioritize my well-being, mm-hmm. um, my my sort of just, just my brain space, my space in general, my energy. I've learned to prioritize that. Uh, I take time to decompress. And I feel like what keeps anyone going or at least like what keeps me going um, is that whenever I'm having like bad days or I'm not feeling good about something, I just like kind of center back and 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 focus my energy on things that I really like, that I know pick mm. me up. And for everyone, it's different, right? For me, it's like, I don't know, like little things. I'll, I'll take a really long um, bubble bath and yeah. read a book and, and put some calming music. I light a candle, you know, get some hot chocolate, talk to my mother, you yeah. know, she she really centers me uh, when she's not screaming at me and we have a conversation, <laughs> um, which is very rare. Yeah, but she's Sometimes. always yeah, she's always like tutoring me that you're not doing this right and this is not good and that's so why you're doing funny. this. And, uh, but um, mostly, it's just talking to my best friend, just about anything random, mm-hmm. or just um, I don't know, um, talking to my father about something random. So family really grounds me. They really keep me calm. My yeah. family does. So I feel like for me, they are my center in that sense um for people it can be anyone right yeah. my best friend is my center um these small little things that i do i kind of feel like they center me mm-hmm. I feel like they de-stress me so yeah just like find these things that you really like doing and just take time out and do them 
you know, just sit and do them and focus. It could be yoga, it could be dancing, mm. you know, anything. It's different for different people. But I feel it's really important to do that and take some time off. I agree. I think it's very difficult to kind of figure out what you want to do in life. And I if feel you, don't you try. I'm sorry to cut you off, no, but fine. the reason why this is important is because I feel people need to understand that life and everything that you're doing, your career, whatever that may be, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So if you, I used to think of it as a sprint. So I used to just be like very like, okay, like nonstop, like mm -hmm. working. And that's kind of what investment banking and consulting, it does to you because yes. you're like on the go 24 seven. So you're kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. like just on the go. And I feel like then you need to realize that, hey, like this is not a sprint. Like, fine, I'm sprinting, I'm doing really well. But like, then I'm going to get tired because I'm yeah. human and then I'm going to get exhausted. And then I'm going to really fall back. So it's better to sort of like treat it as a marathon and keep yourself hydrated in that sense so that you have a longer run rather than a shorter one. And I think that's something you need to learn. Like earlier this year, I was kind of doing that as well. And your body at the end of the day will always make you pause. And it was only when I felt like I couldn't get out of bed and I was about to literally fall at my friend's wedding. And I was like, I have to leave because I'm going to drop. That then I went to go and see the doctor and then they're like, okay, now we need to do tests because you, you just ignore those things. You're like, it will pass, it will pass, it will pass and it doesn't. And it doesn't. And then you need to actually, and luckily it's fine, but you know, you can't let it get to that stage where everything is so serious. I mean, I'm saying that I'm definitely haven't learned my lesson. And I think so many of us only learn when, when it happens to you. Yeah. Cause someone can sit here on this podcast and tell me I burnt out and I nearly dropped dead. And I'd be like, oh my God, that's crazy. I'll definitely learn from you. And the next day I'll be like, yeah, but I'm not, I'm, I'm fine. I know. Because drive and ambition is something that when you're passionate about something and you love it, it's difficult to kind of set that boundary. And it's difficult to say no to opportunities because you never know when they're going to come back to you again. How have you found that kind of balance of learning how to say no and knowing when's right to say yes? That's a very, very interesting question because it's very hard to do that. And yes. I really struggle. I really struggle. And when I do say no, by the way, like sometimes I get really frustrated. Yeah. I should have just done it. Like, why do I need a break? Like, yes. I don't need a break. Like, that would be so much fun. I should just do it. But I don't know what has made me learn that. But honestly, I think like it's just, um, I don't know, instincts maybe. Mm. Sometimes you just like get a feeling that, I should just take a break. Yeah. I should just rest. And I think your body will tell you and your 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 gut will tell you that this is probably, you know, you shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And so you just shouldn't do it. I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't have um, a very solid answer to that question because yeah. I still struggle with that. And that's mm -hmm. actually like with anyone who's ambitious or on the go or used to that kind of like fast paced life. Yeah. I feel with anyone in that category, it's really hard to to uh, take a step back and just rest. It's really yes. hard. Um, but I feel like you learn I also think you're right with time you, you start to pick up like is this really going to be good is for me do it? I really need to do it yeah. do I really need to compromise on this this and this because unfortunately we all need to take a break and I probably say this more than anyone you should take a break you should take a break and I don't and it's something I'm also learning now to do because I'm facing the opposite side where in my mind I'm like what am I doing like yeah. where am I going and you know you talk a lot about planning do you ever create vision boards and do you believe in manifestation Oh my God, 100%. I And actually, by the way, this is like a fact. Uh, I don't know what percent, but you're more likely to get something done if you write it down. 42%. Oh my God. <laughs> really? I only know that because it's a quote in my planner. <laughs> no, it's true. This is actually true. So I'm like a complete whiteboard person. Like I have a study in my house mm -hmm. and I have a whiteboard, a huge same. one. And I do not operate without it. I have, I have those whiteboard sticky Pads, yeah. and I have like colorful markers mm -hmm. and I, it's just I'm like super organized in that sense but I you, believe in manifestation for sure but then you never know when opportunities will come and knock on your door like it did with you in acting and here you are today so honestly thank you so much this has been such a joy and I can't wait for everyone to listen to this because you radiate so much positivity and you've inspired me so much today so oh thank God, you it's very kind of you thank you I had a great time coming on the show as well thank you